0: All right, and so this morning we're continuing through this message series uh, that's going to serve as a guide to building healthy relationships. Um, A relationship, as we've been learning, is just a connection between two people. Doesn't mean that it's healthy, doesn't mean that it necessarily should even be there. Um, And so, so far, we've learned um, that God has given us a whole host of tools to help us to form good, right, and healthy relationships uh, so far we've learned about the love of God you know just check out first Corinthians 13 and we learned about how if you live that out like you've nailed it you've got all the law all the prophets you're doing what you're supposed to do if you can love God with your everything and love others you love yourself um, we also learned a little bit about understanding it's not about communication because we're always communicating stuff to people it's about understanding What people are truly intending to communicate with us and how often that misunderstanding leads to relationship issues, both with the Lord and with each other. Um, The relationship tool that we're learning about today is the tool of boundaries, boundaries. Um, Now, to understand boundaries, we actually got to go the whole way back to the very beginning. Anybody know what the uh, oldest book of the Bible is? Ah, Job. It was a trick question. Yep, Job is the oldest manuscript we have from the Bible. But what was the first book? Genesis. In in our canon of Scripture, we put Genesis first because you know what it starts with? What, What are the first few words? In the beginning. That's a great place to start, isn't it? In the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We just sang about them, right? The heavens and the earth. God said, let there be... And there was. God saw that it was. You guys have heard this before then. This is something that God pointed out to me that really cut me to the core. Then what did God do? God separated light from darkness. Then God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And God said it was good. He called the vault sky. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered together into one place and let dry ground appear. He separated the waters so that dry ground appeared, right? He separated them. And it was so God called the dry, the, uh, dry gr- ground land and the waters that he gathered, he called seas. God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate day from night. Let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days and years. God set them in the vault of the sky to give them light on the earth to govern the day and night and to separate light from darkness. If you've ever gone to Alaska for any period of time, you understand how awesome it is that night and day is separated. They've got like months of darkness, a couple months a day and then months of darkness. We're thankful for... And that's just that's even that's still in the uh, you know United States just how crazy it is on this earth how how just very very um, I don't know how to say it but just like how detailed it is the way that God orchestrated everything He, He He gave us the stars in the sky and they are so constant and consistent that you can know the what day of the year it is what month it is you can use them as a guide to cross the ocean. And, uh, and yet, you know, from, from the top of the earth to the bottom of the earth, just if we're a little bit closer to the sun, we burn up a little bit further away, you freeze, you know. It's just, everything is held in such a delicate balance. But God knows what he's doing. He created us. So God did this. He created everything, and he saw that it was very good. But it was interesting to me how often God created something new by separating something existing. God creates by separating. God creates by creating boundaries. Boundaries. And he said that they were very good. Then God created Adam and Eve. And we skip ahead to Genesis chapter 2. And he said this is why a man separates from his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. In fact, Jesus added Jesus added to the word of God. Can you believe that he did? And, uh, and then we find in Matthew chapter 19, verse 6, and Mark chapter 10, verse 9. Because everyone's like, Jesus, what about marriage then? Moses, or what about divorce then? Moses said that they can divorce. And he gave him a, a cool certificate to show everyone that he's divorced. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that God hates divorce. doesn't say he hates divorcees. He hates divorce. Why? If anybody's ever been divorced, you know how nasty and messy it is. When two things are combined together in one, it is really messy to separate them, is it? I, both of them are broken and everything. But Jesus added to it and he said they're no longer one, two flesh, but one. Jesus said, "Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate." But God separated. He said that a man and woman should separate from their, you know, mother and father and become one flesh. So a new family is formed out of this previous family. Anybody ever have any in-law issues? Come on. This is stereotypically a very complicated relationship, right? If there is not a separation, your in-laws are going to parent you to death, right? Not mine. I love my mother-in-law. She's the best ever. can not ask for a better mother and father-in-law. And yeah. So sorry, I had to cover myself there. But anyways, <laughs> and Becky just loves her mother-in-law, right? Mom, you've never had any issues with Becky, never any friction or, oh, there's been friction there. But anyways, <laughs> it's interesting. God created by separating, he created boundaries. Um, the scriptures go on. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 and 17 says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Come out from them. Be separate from them, says the Lord. God creates by separating, by creating boundaries. He creates a boundary, and he separates two things. And by doing that, he creates something new. And according to Genesis, he says it's very good. It's very good. God did this all in the very beginning. Boundaries are a good and a healthy thing. Yes, they separate and divide. And I know that I always focus on God being the unifier, and the Holy Spirit is the great unifier of everyone and every tribe, you know. But Ecclesiastes 3 teaches us what? That there's a time and a season for everything. A time to come together and a time to separate. There's a time and a season for everything. Separation, creating boundaries can be a good and a healthy thing. It's of God. God created boundaries within his creation so that the connection between things could be good and healthy, okay, good and healthy, like the ocean beach. Any any guys beach bums? You just love the beach? I love the beach. My wife hates the beach. Sand gets everywhere, but so we beach like every other year or something like that, you know, but that boundary is a good thing. We love it. Um, or the sunrise or sunsets. You know? There's a separation, the, the moon and the stars on a clear night. We can experience all of these things only because of separation, because boundaries are put in place. If you go out there right now, you can't see a star in the sky except for the sun, right? <laughs> I was going to trick question everybody with that, too. You can see one star, right? Uh, the one in our own uh, gal- not galaxy, our own solar. solar system. Thank you. It's been too long since I studied science. Um, but then God separated them. And then at night, whew, you get the whole starry host. It's so cool. So glad he separated these things and created boundaries so we can enjoy them. Uh, we recently saw what happened whenever the ocean waters decide to surge, right? Whenever they cross their boundary. Boundaries are a good thing. It's good to enjoy the beach. You would not be enjoying the beach if you're down there when that, like, how many foot wave came in, and you'd be dead. you literally, people got hurt, people died. Destruction occurred all because the ocean water crossed its boundary. The same thing happens in our lives when we don't create and maintain healthy boundaries. Instead of enjoying connections with people, we get torn apart by people, ravaged by people, destroyed by people. We started in the beginning, so just for fun, let's. Save time and skip straight to the end of the Bible, right? Revelation 21. Revelation 21. Men, you're going to be studying about this in the men's group. Heaven, the New Jerusalem. What does it have around it? Does anybody know? Anybody remember what Trump campaigned on originally? Walls. Heaven's got walls, believe it or not. It's got 12 of them. 12 walls of jasper. There's 12 walls of jasper built on foundations, decorated with every kind of precious stone. And also within the 12 gates are, or within the 12 walls are 12 gates all made of a single pearl. That's why you hear about those pearly gates, right? And all them country gospel songs. Can't wait till we walk through them pearly gates and meet Saint Peter, right? That's where that comes from. Single pearl the gates are made of in the walls of heaven, walls that separate. There is no sin in heaven. It is a good and perfect place. Stays that way by walls, right? <laughs> stays that way by walls. Walls that separate. God created boundaries. For all eternity, even within heaven itself, there will be boundaries. Boundaries are a good thing. And i got to keep telling myself this and preaching myself this. It's a good thing. The only ones who don't understand and don't appreciate and don't honor boundaries in our lives are people who do not have your good in mind. Ouch. People who don't honor and respect your boundaries and who you are are people who don't have your good in mind. Jesus has your good in mind. Jesus said in John chapter 10, we're going to go back to the beginning, or the middle. We're kind of skipping ahead and around in the Bible today. But Jesus said this. Jesus said, I am the gate. Now, does that mean he is physically a gate? Because last time I checked, he's he's not a pearl, and there's 12 gates and there aren't 12 Jesuses. See what happens when you don't understand how to interpret the Bible? You missed the last men's group. You'd understand how to interpret this. It's metaphor. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out. They will find pasture. Anyone who doesn't enter by the gate, but they climb in some other way, what are they, according to Jesus? A thief and a robber. A thief and a robber. In fact, Jesus went on and gave some parables here, right? I mean, Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, the light. There's only one way into heaven, right? Right? too, if you ask Daryl, living a perfect sinless life, which none of us can do, or through Jesus who did it for us on our behalf and faith in him, right? Um, Then a few parables. I'm just going to read a few verses. Matthew chapter 13, verse 49. If you're you're wondering what it's going to be like at the end of the ages, Jesus said this is how it's going to be at the end of the age. The angels will come and they will separate the wicked from the righteous. Matthew chapter 13, verse 29. Let both the wheat and the weeds grow together. And again, these are metaphors for righteous and unrighteous people. Let them grow together until the harvest. At that time, Jesus said, I will tell the harvesters, first separate and collect the weeds. Right? Jesus said, don't think I don't know how to weed them out. Any any Spongebob fans out there? Sorry, yeah. I'm a goofy goober. Yep. Anyways, Jesus said, first separate, collect the weeds. Tie them up into bundles and burn them lake a fire. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Heaven, right? Matthew chapter 25, verse 32. All the nations will be gathered before Jesus and he will separate the people one from another. As a shepherd separates sheep from goats. God separates. God creates boundaries. Boundaries are a good thing. A good thing, a good thing, a good thing. Not only will people be separated on the day of judgment to find their eternal destination, heaven or hell, but Jesus warned us of this heart-piercing reality. This is a very hard scripture. Okay, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to 37. Jesus said, don't suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. If you ever wondered about this, just read the Gospels. Read the Gospels. Look at the life of Jesus. He was just, he was a divider. He was a separator. That wasn't his heart. That wasn't his intent. But when truth comes, it just separates. All kinds of chaos all around his life, everywhere he went. And all he was doing was good. He was healing people and delivering people. And people hated him for it. They nailed him to a cross for it, right? Jesus said, don't suppose I've come to bring peace on the earth. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword, came to bring a sword. What's the intended purpose of a sword? It separates, doesn't it? The right sword can separate your head from your body. It can decapitate. your tate, right? (laughs) It separates. In the case of God's word, the sword of the spirit, it intends to separate to separate things in our lives. What is good from what is bad? What is right from what is wrong? What is of God from what is not of God? In fact, God's word says that it separates the very thoughts and attitudes of our hearts, right? Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Jesus said, he came to be a sword that separates not to bring peace. Man, is that a hard teaching? But it's what Jesus said. And I've heard so, so many preachers, even the one up here from this pulpit, sugarcoat this thing and make it nice and palatable. But Jesus said what he said. In fact, Jesus goes on in in verse 34. Jesus said, I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. No, it didn't say anything about guys there. Guys were cool. Fathers, father-in-law, we hang out, whatever. We'll we'll dig a hole, go to the shop, fix car, you know. For some reason, daughter-in-law and mother-in-laws, they got issues. Jesus said in verse 36, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Then he goes on, he says this, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me, they're not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And if you think that's mean, Jesus also said, "Anyone who loves his own life, his own self, more than him, shouldn't even start following him." In fact, if you're not familiar with it, Jesus was quoting here, uh, Micah chapter seven, verse forty-four through six. Micah prophesied and said, "The day of God, the day that God visits you, has come." And that's really what Jesus was declaring: the Kingdom of Heaven is here right? The day of God has come. God has visited them, right? Isn't that what Jesus did? He was God in the flesh, and he visited us. Micah goes on and says, the day your watchmen sound the alarm, now is the time of your confusion. But I thought God wasn't the God of confusion. He's not. God's not confused. People get confused. In fact, Micah prophesied in verse 5, don't trust your neighbor, put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace, guard the word of your lips. A son dishonors his father. That doesn't happen in this culture, does it? It's not acceptable for children to rebel against their parents, is it? More and more and more is it encouraged. Just flip on the news for a few seconds, right? You know? I mean, whew. anyways, wow, we're living in the days. A daughter rises up against her own mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. Does that sound familiar? That's what Jesus was quoting, right? He was quoting this. Now, this is a really difficult and hard teaching. And I don't encourage you to leave right now and miss the rest of the message. (laughs) Jesus said he was coming to bring division, to separate people, even to separate households. Ouch. Ouch. But Jesus said what he meant, and he meant what he said, right? Because we all want to cling to this Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who cuddles his sheep in his arms, right? Soft and gentle man, usually European. He's not dark-skinned for some reason, even though he really was in real life. But anyways, he's surrounded by little children, so peaceful, so gentle. However, Jesus was both the Lamb that was slain and... The Lion of Judah, right? The Lion of Judah. When he appeared to John, the apostle John described him this way in Revelation. You find it right in chapter 1. And no picture could really accurately interpret this. John said, I turned around to see the voice that was talking to me. And this was Jesus. When I turned, I saw someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool. As white as snow. Anybody got some white hair issues going on? You're just like Jesus, right? Be proud of that. Yeah, you're looking like Jesus. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were bronze glowing like in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of many rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if though I was dead. Then he placed his right hand on me. Anybody know why he didn't? Oh yeah, he did use his right Okay, anyways, sorry, side note. He placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I will but now look I'm alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades and then again at the end of Revelation John saw this he saw heaven standing open and before him was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true Jesus himself with justice he wages and judges war his eyes are like blazing fire on his head are many crowns he has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself Right now, I'm gonna sidetrack here. This is my personal opinion and my personal take. Okay, I'm gonna offend some people and I'm gonna make some people happy when it comes to tattoos. Okay, if you're gonna believe, if you're gonna follow the Levitical law for your righteousness and say you shouldn't get tattoos, that means you can't have you know, sideburns because that's the very first verse before it. Okay, but when I look at Jesus, I see writing all over him, this dude's tatted. I mean, this is what I read. You can disagree with me if you want, but I'm just reading what the word says. He has written on him. Okay, so this this isn't like on his clothing or, you know, I'm sorry. Anyways, we'll continue on because he's got something else written. Because no one knows what that tattoo is but himself. It's like a tribal tat. I mean, it's it's his name, but no one knows what it is except for himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood. That's... That's a little different than that isn't it you know his robe dipped in blood the blood of people his name is the word of god the armies of heaven are following him riding on white horses dressed in fine linen white and clean coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations he will rule them with an iron scepter he treads on the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the god almighty and on his robe and on his thigh his name is written, King of kings and Lord of lords, right? That's also Jesus. He is both, okay? Jesus was born to be the lamb that was slain, but he is also the Lion of Judah. And he is so much more. He is Prince of Peace, but he's also judge and war wager. He's also the only one found worthy in all of creation to one day bust open the seven seals, right? That opened the scroll that unfurls the wrath of God. Now I don't believe at all that it is God's heart to separate families. It's not His heart. It's not His motive. It's not His intent. It's just something that happens. Neighbors, families, spouses, friends become divided, and they don't trust one another. Because in this world corrupted by sin, it's just simply a reality that happens. And it especially happens when you choose to follow Christ. Separation happens. And it's not one that you intend to have happen. It's just something that is a reality. When anyone chooses to follow Jesus, to place God first in their life, anytime you choose to prioritize something, it gets messy. Divisions happen, right? Because you have to create boundaries to keep God first. You've got to have boundaries to keep him first. Not everyone's going to agree with your decision. And the reality of your relationships begin to be revealed. Who really loves you and who just loves the benefits of you, right? Anybody ever experienced that? They they, they, They weren't really into you. They just liked what you did for them or what you could provide for them. Then when you're broke or when you can't, they're not so close anymore. You help them thousands of times, but the one time you need them, they gone. Jesus simply reveals truth. And sometimes the truth that your own enemies are inside your own household is really hard to swallow. It's hard. It's a hard teaching. As we become a new creation, our connections with others, our relationships with them is changed as well. It's just something that happens. It's just a side effect. It's not something that is good. It's not something that God wants. It's just something that happens so god gave us boundaries 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 are safeguards that we intentionally and purposefully put in place in our lives boundaries do not accidentally happen boundaries take work they take effort they take intention the yellow line painted down the center of the road right i don't know does anybody often have to go through that intersection past the new sheets up towards dairy queen I swear, every time I drive through that place, the boundaries have changed, you know? There's lines on the road that all of a sudden I'm not supposed to fall because the guy's waving at me, being like, no, 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 over here. And We witnessed a car get ran over in that intersection because they're going the wrong way, but the wrong way was the right way yesterday. Like It's so confusing. (laughs) So confusing. Boundaries are good things. They put that yellow line down the road, so that this car going 60 miles an hour and this car going 60 miles an hour, heading right toward each other, don't have a head-on collision, right? It's a good thing for our safety to safeguard us. When someone crosses that boundary, head-on collisions take place and wreck many lives. PVC or copper pipes, anybody ever have any of those? Fail in their home? In their church? Poor Joe, he experienced a bad one here. The worst, worst in New Hope's history here at the church. And we're not going to talk about that anymore because he probably has nightmares about it probably wakes up in the middle of the night like, ah! (laughs) Sorry. Those copper or PVC pipes that bring water into our homes, they are a boundary that provide life-sustaining sustenance to us, right? They're a good thing. But when there's even the smallest of leaks in that boundary of that pipe, bad things happen, right? Bad things take place. Destruction occurs. Um, A river's bank, it's a boundary that keeps water flowing safely out eventually to the ocean but when the river surges and it runs over its banks when that boundary is crossed right destruction damage is caused um a fence that runs along the edge of a steep cliff it's a boundary to keep people from accidentally walking over it but when someone chooses to climb and jump up over that boundary when they cross the boundary their landing isn't likely going to end very well for them, right? I mean, think about this. Um, maybe you're dealing with this health issues. our arteries and our veins, right? Our whole vascular system. Those are just boundaries that 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 carry blood um, and waste and oxygen to the parts of the body that need it, right? Whenever those arteries get a little clogged up, because you like little Debbie a little too much, or those, you know, those nice thick porterhouses, um, it's not a good thing, is it? Especially if you ever has anybody ever cut themselves, right? As soon as you cross that boundary that vein Your blood starts going places. It ain't supposed to go right and you could die if you don't get that boundary put in place fast enough Right boundaries are good things. We were literally created with them And I could go on and on and on and on and on there are many boundaries in our natural world that God created They're good things. He wants you to have boundaries in your relationships with people they are good, godly things when they are created and properly maintained by him. We need them in our relationships with others. Think about your your, your life as a house, you know, a house. It has many different rooms in different areas. Um, you know, if, if people are driving past the public road in front of your house, you really don't think much of it. In fact, your dog even gets used to them, right? They don't think anything of it, you know. One of those vehicles crosses the boundary of your property and pulls into your driveway, you might peek out the window. You're a little curious, right? You know, who's that? I don't recognize them. What what are they here for? You might invite strangers through your front door, which is a boundary, right into your living room. You know, hey, come on in. You know, I see FedEx arriving, man, I'm a happy man. You know, my toys are here, yeah. The FedEx man that delivered all them tables, he was not a happy man because I missed him the first day. In fact, I text Chris and apologize if he was gonna be the guy. I'm like, I feel for this man. He had to unload 15 tables and reload them the next day in hopes that, that darn pastor was here and he probably didn't use those words, right? <laughs> you might invite a stranger into your living room, right? You might do that. Family and friends, you might invite them past the living room, into the dining room, sit down, you know, crack open the fridge, you know, and have a cold one, you know water right um you know you might do that however when it comes to your bedroom usually that's like you and your spouse you know No, no one else is supposed to be in there there are intentional and purposeful boundaries in place different people have different access into your home in the same way people should have different people should have different access to areas of your life your life should not just be wide open for anybody to come and do what they want. You know, FedEx, he can come and he can bring the packages in the house because it saves me from carrying them off my porch. But if he just walks right into my house and goes to my fridge and cracks it open, I'm be like, hey, hey dude, what, what are you doing? What's up? Like, he crossed a boundary, and you respond to it. You react to it, right? God created you with these internal triggers called emotions. You know when somebody crossed a boundary in your life. You feel it, right? We're gonna learn how to respond to those in a good and a healthy way. In fact, if a stranger decides to pull in your driveway, but break open the front door, barge in your bedroom in the middle of the night, you're not just gonna welcome them with open arms and ask if you can get them a drink, right? You're probably gonna welcome them with, you know, the barrel of your shotgun and be like, dude, you need to get back out there. You 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 need to get cross that boundary, cross that boundary, cross that boundary. You need to get out of here before you just I like, cross the boundary of your arteries, right? You know? Because they cross boundaries you put in place, and all you're doing with that gun is you're communicating to them: you cross some boundaries, and you need to back off, right? This, it's it's communicating, and you put them back out where they belong in your life. Having healthy relationships requires us to create and maintain healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries. Many of our relationship issues are really just boundary issues. They just are. Sometimes we have too firm of boundaries put up in our life. People suck. We get hurt, and usually, what people do when they get hurt bad by somebody is they put the walls up, right? Maybe you've got too firm of boundaries. You won't let people into your life because you don't want to get hurt again, right? More often than not, it's the opposite issue. You've got no boundaries. People can just a stranger can walk up to you in Walmart, you know, whenever your kids are in a fit, and like. Pfft, All they do is give you a look. And they cut you to the core of who you are. I'm not a bad parent. Why would you think that about me, you know? Why would you give some stranger that you're probably never going to meet again access to that part of your life, to the core of who you are? But we do it, don't we? In fact, you probably have a strong boundary that you let nobody in because you started with no boundaries. And you just let anybody and everybody walk all over you and hurt you. That's, That's not loving yourself. We're supposed to love others as we love ourselves. Boundaries. Jesus had boundaries. He knew who he was and who he was not. You can call him a demon, a glutton, a drunk, because they did. You know, but he knew who he was. And those people saying things about him, he just let them talk. He didn't even defend himself because he knew who he was. He had boundaries in place. The interesting thing is that God created within us that alarm system to detect it. Um, When we feel we've been invaded, it's up to us. It's up to us to create a boundary in place, to communicate that it's there, and to kind of usher people back where they belong in our lives. It's a really hard thing to do, but we alone are responsible for it. We're the only ones that can define these boundaries in our lives. Who has access to what different area? For example, think about this. Maybe we have a loved one that keeps making some really, really bad decisions for themselves. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, because I'm sure everybody here has a family member like that. But maybe they're caught up in addiction, right? I mean, this happens in life. They're, they're caught up in addiction, making some rough choices, and you spend yourselves cleaning up their messes, paying off their bills. You keep providing for them. You keep defending them, because we think that that's loving them. I mean, especially when it's a, a, a child or, you know, a sibling and, you know, they just keep making bad decisions, but you just keep cleaning up their mess because you think that's love, right? However, they never change. Their bad decisions seem to destroy your life, destroy your life with your spouse, your children. They keep destroying you and your relationship with them, but they don't seem affected by their decisions. They just keep making the same bonehead things, right? Boundaries need put in place so that their choices affect their lives. Because if they never feel the awful consequences of their own choices, they're never going to see the need to change. They're never going to see the need to change because they never feel the weight of it when you're always carrying it for them. This is what we call tough love. But it's God's love. It's God's love. He will rush in, and he will carry things for us, but there are some things that we got to carry on our own. For example, okay, Jesus will forgive you for your sin. Think about this, in your relationship with him. He has the perfect, loving, fatherly relationship with us. He will forgive you for what you did, but he usually leaves the consequences in place. You usually still have to walk out the consequences in life. And he's a good, loving father, loves us perfectly. He does it to teach us, to instruct us. Because if we don't feel the consequences of our sin, we're going to run right back to it again, right? Woo, that was fun! Let's do that again! Oh, Lord, forgive me! (laughs) I'm going to do it again! Oh, Jesus, forgive me, right? A lot of people think that's what the grace of God is. He's just a big cosmic, you know, machine that just keeps forgiving you. No, he's going to leave the consequences in place. And it is love, even though it doesn't feel very loving. Many times we fail to set healthy boundaries in our lives because of fear. Fear. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. Plain and simple, right? In fact, it goes on in Proverbs 29, verse 25, to say, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of man. We fear that people are going to get angry with us, right? If I say no, they're going to get upset with us. You know, if I, if I don't let them do that, they'll get mad. We fear this, that we're going to let someone down. We're, we're afraid that we're going to let them down. We fear that we might end up alone. How many people have stayed in abusive relationships just because they didn't want to be alone? Just because they didn't want to be alone. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. We fear that others are going to think bad things about us or say bad things about us to other people, right? We fear that other people won't approve of us. And so we fail to create healthy boundaries. God is giving you the freedom this morning. In fact, it is freedom To break free of fear, because Jesus hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit, a power, and a sound mind to make good decisions for yourself. He's given you the power. He will empower you to create healthy boundaries and to enforce them. He wants you to do this in life. He doesn't want you to be motivated by the fear of other people. That's a trap. That's a snare, according to God's word. That is not a place of freedom. That is not a place of love not a healthy relationship when you're motivated by fear. Our fear, our motivation for having relationships with people in life should be a motivation of love. Love of God and toward others through our faith. We already learned about God's love for 1 Corinthians 13. Whatever we do must be a motive of love, otherwise it's a waste of time. But Paul also teaches us in Romans chapter 14 that each of us give an account of ourselves to God. And I'm just leapfrogging through it to not read the whole chapter. Each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. You're not responsible for other people. They can be mad at you. They can think you're a nasty, awful person. You don't have to answer to God for that. You have to answer to God for the choices you have made. My response is my responsibility, right? Paul went on and he said, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your own mind... Not to put in a stumbling block or obstacle in a way of a brother or sister. And of course he's talking here about meat sacrifice to idols. And you can read the whole context in Romans 14. And he ends and he, he teaches us that the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness. The kingdom of God is a matter of peace. And a matter of joy. All from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't give us fear of man. Gives us peace, joy in our relationships, righteousness in our relationships. In fact, he goes on, he says, everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Therefore, let us make every effort to do whatever leads to peace and to mutual edification. Boundaries take an effort on our part. However, boundaries prevent us from becoming a stumbling block to others. It's very easy to trip over a stone or a brick because it wasn't there yesterday and it's there today, right? Sometimes that's the way we are in our relationships. We create a boundary based on our mood, right? I won't talk about anyone in my life that, that, that we, you know, we try to manage that with, but you know, something that's OK today is not OK you know, in five minutes because now you're in a mood all of a sudden. That's a stumbling block. Anybody ever stumble over that block? okay spouses close your eyes so your other spouse can raise their hand right your boundary is based on your mood that's not a healthy way to set boundaries right that's that's a good way that's not a good way to create peace it's not a good way to have mutual edification where you build each other up boundaries take an effort but that's what we tend to do right we get frustrated we get hurt enough that we just throw down a brick in front of other people you know what enough's enough You throw down that brick and you're a tripping hazard to them all of a sudden. But if we create a boundary, they will see that wall. Think about a boundary as a wall, not as a brick or a stone, right? They're going to see it from afar and they're going to understand it's there. They're going to know they need to stay away from it. They're going to have to take effort to jump over that wall and to cross that boundary in your life. They're going to know what they're doing. What you're doing when you create boundaries is you're making others responsible for their own decisions. It's what happens when you create a boundary in your life. Um, Creating healthy boundaries, it leads to peace. It leads to mutual edification. In fact, if you've got chaos in your life, that's a red flag that indicates you've got boundary issues. It's a red flag if you're living in chaos. Consider a child who forgot until the night before a school project that it's due tomorrow morning. And they need this whole list of supplies. Anybody ever run into that? I used to have a sign that was up in my my development room whenever I was writing software, and it said, (laughs) just so that we wouldn't say it and look like bad guys, it was a big sign in the back of the room, and it said, a lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on mine. (laughs) ouch, right? Right? If this is the first time they made a mistake, they forgot about it, you know what? Love covers a multitude of sin, right? go out there, run to Walmart in the middle of the night, grab the supplies, stay up to the wee hours in the morning helping them do it so that they can get a passing grade. You know, everybody fails sometimes, right? We need to give each other some grace and mercy because God gives it to us. But if you repeat a mistake over and over, that's not a mistake. That's a choice, right? Boundaries need put in place. Sometimes the most loving thing to do is to let someone fail at the hand of their own choices. Repeat that to yourself. Sometimes that is a loving thing to do, to let someone fall flat on their face and fail because of their own choices. The father did not go running after the prodigal son to keep handing him money, bailing him out over and over and over again, did he? The the prodigal's father, who represents our perfect heavenly father, let that kid go out and make his own choices and be jealous of pig slop because he was so hungry. And yet that was an act of love. But the moment that that prodigal repented and came running back home, the father received him with loving open arms, right? The father had a boundary. That boundary had a gate. That gate was always open for his son. But his son made his own choices and the father honored those choices, right? Jesus doesn't send anyone to hell. He just honors their choices that they made. Doors always been open. Salvation's always been available to them, right? But what this does is it grows and matures people's character. It teaches them to make better choices in the future. It keeps them away from sin. If mom and dad always drop everything to run to the store and run, you know, leave work and you know do all these things, then why should they? change their behavior right everything will be an emergency and you're always gonna have to do it right why should they have to change you're always gonna take care of them this isn't love that's not love you're not honoring that person you're just enabling them to continue a bad habit a better boundary needs put in place so that the negative result of their poor choices is felt by them and not consumed by us might be an elementary school project now. Might be getting picked up after high school practice. Forgot to let you know. Then next thing you know, it's bills that are way behind. It's a lost job because they just couldn't show up to work, and so on and so forth. A little discipline now reaps a harvest of righteousness later. The Bible teaches us that. It also teaches us that that little bit of discipline now isn't pleasant no one likes the d word we hate discipline i don't want to eat healthy i just want to be healthy i want to exercise i want extra, extra fries right you know <laughs> but a little bit of discipline now and you reap a harvest of righteousness later healthy boundaries are not just a discipline early on in life but it's what we're learning and growing in all throughout our lives as people build relationships and they build trust with us to get more access into our lives. As people abuse our access and start using us, sometimes you got to push that boundary back, right? This is how we make the effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. It's through intentional, healthy boundaries. So how do we do that? Well, that's next week because the message was getting too long as it was. So, sorry, you got to come next week to learn how to do this. And, of course, we're going to go to the Word of God to learn how to discern that you need a boundary someplace, about how to create it, most importantly, how to communicate and enforce it. Those are the hard things to do in your relationships. How to tell somebody, look, this isn't good. This isn't healthy. I can't allow this anymore. And then enforce it when they do it again. That's tough love. It's going to hurt you just as much as it hurts them. But it needs to be done to have healthy relationships with people. God does it with us. So it's good that we do it with others as well. He wants us to have full access to everything. But we got to be mature and responsible enough before we enter in, Right? How many times did Israel have to walk around the mountain before they entered the promised land? Life would be so much easier if we just grew and matured so that we could receive, right? All right. Let's just close with prayer because this message hurt me as much as it hurt you. (laughs) So Jesus, we thank you that you love us perfectly. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us better than any earthly father ever has or could. And Spirit, we thank you for being within us to guide us into healthy boundaries so that we don't wreck our lives. We thank you, Lord, for convicting us of sin and of righteousness. Help us, Lord, throughout this week to start being more aware of when those internal alarms go off, And we need to put a boundary in place. Help us to remember those encounters in our relationships so we can bring them next week and learn how to put up a healthy, good boundary there that you want us to put up. Help us, Jesus, to be more like you in every area of our lives. We just love you and we thank you. Our lives are yours in your name. Amen.